I feel bad now that I know that it wasn't legal. Oh, don't feel bad. It's just an election, just democracy. Why should it be legal? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also, up in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, and Round Mountain on KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove on KSO, and on KEPW in Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, KPSQ in Fayetteville, Arkansas, KODX in Seattle, and AM950 KTNF. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, we also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening pleasure on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, our friend Ari Berman of Mother Jones has a nice way of summing things up on Twitter, whether he realized he might have been summing up today's broadcast or not. <laughs> he says, uh, one, Republicans used massive voter suppression to win in Georgia. Two, committed blatant election fraud to win election fraud to win in North Carolina 3 is now stripping democrats of power in Wisconsin Michigan and North Carolina in legislative coups all part of a strategy to undermine democracy by any means necessary that sounds about right Don't by it? any means necessary hi desi doyan hello uh, yeah, it does sound about right. Uh, this is a party that may now be in its death throes. Uh, we've got a lot on all of that to get to today. Uh, but first, all of the living former presidents of the United States and the current one gathered at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday to attend the funeral service for the 41st president, George Herbert Walker Bush, who passed away last Friday at the age of 94. His casket is now uh, on the way back to Texas, where the former one-term president, who served from 89 until 1993, will lie in repose at the family's St. Marin's Episcopal Church in Houston before being taken by train to College Station in Texas and finally interred at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum at uh, Texas A&M University. On Thursday evening, 
Wednesday has been uh, was de- dedica- designated as a national day of mourning by President Donald Trump. It's the first such farewell to a president in over a decade. U.S. flags are flying at half staff and U.S. markets, including uh, trading on the uh, New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq, are closed in recognition of that day of mourning. The last time the market closed to mark the death of a president was in January of 2007, which I guess is why I'll forgive myself for not remembering that 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 this sort of thing happens. Uh, that It's we, been a long stretch without one. Yeah, that we shut down the markets, there's no mail delivery, etc. That was in the wake of President Gerald Ford's death at the time in uh, 2007. And the last time that markets closed outside of a regular holiday was... Uh, Desi Doyne, do you have any idea when that was? No. A quiz for you there. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It was October 29 and October 30 of 2012. Any idea? No. That was during the worst of Hurricane Sandy. Oh, yes. Uh, And Investor's Business Daily notes that that was the first weather-related consecutive day closure of stock trading since 1888. Well, there you have it. Thought you'd have that written on your uh, cheat sheet somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of the markets, we'll, we'll see if they bounce back on Thursday after the unusual closure on Wednesday. But... Here's just one reason, one problem with having a complete liar who just makes crap up as the president of the United States. On Tuesday, the Dow fell some 800 points, largely because it became clear to traders that Donald Trump had simply been making crap up the day before when he claimed that he had worked out a trade truce with China, leading to a a rally on Monday, evidently... um, which seems like folks, frankly, should have realized this by now. It was all BS. Who could have guessed it? The Trump administration raised doubts on Tuesday about the substance of a U.S.-China trade ceasefire contributing to a broad stock market plunge and intensifying fears of a global economic slowdown, according to AP. Investors had initially welcomed the truce, the uh, truce that the administration said had been reached over the weekend in Argentina between Presidents Donald Trump and China, uh, China's Xi Jinping. And uh, that sent stocks up on Monday, but on Tuesday, after a series of AP put it, puts it nicely here. Confusing and conflicting words from Trump and some senior officials. Stocks tumbled. White House aides have uh, been struggling to explain the details of what the two countries actually agreed on, if anything at all. And China has not confirmed that it made any of the concessions that Trump had claimed in um, On Sunday and on Monday, Trump and White House aides promoted this uh, U.S.-China agreement in Buenos Aires as a historic breakthrough that was going to ease the trade tensions and potentially reduce tariffs. They announced that China had agreed to buy more American products and to negotiate over the administration's assertion that Beijing steals American technology. Media reported those claims as if they were actually accurate for some reason, given that they came from the White House and from Trump, who tweeted on Sunday, quote, China has agreed to reduce and remove tariffs on cars coming into China from the U.S. Currently, the tariff is 40 percent. 
The markets rallied in response on Monday, but apparently, who could have guessed it? It was a complete lie. By Tuesday morning, Trump was making his tariff threats again in a whole series of tweets. One of them read, President G and I want this deal to happen, and it probably will, he tweeted. But well, that's some backtracking. Yeah, just a little. But if not, he said, remember, I am a tariff man. When people or countries come in to raid the great wealth of our nation, I want them to pay for the privilege of doing so. Trump added that a 90-day timetable for negotiate, uh, negotiators to reach a, an agreement had begun. His aides would see, quote, whether or not a real deal with China is actually possible. You mean a real deal like the one you said was a real deal just the day before, Mr. President? If a fair deal is to be made with China, if if a fair deal, one that does not uh, one that does all of the things we know must finally be done, I will happily sign. Let the negotiations begin. He tweeted, let them begin. Two days earlier, he said that China had agreed to a deal. White House officials from Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to Chief uh, Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow spent the spent the day on Tuesday saying stuff like, if a deal is reached, we are hopeful, etc., which led to the plummet in the markets on Tuesday when investors suddenly realized that Donald Trump was full of it. BS. Yes, thank you. And uh, that China had not yet, in fact, agreed to anything. Uh, in his I am a tariff man tweet, by the way, Trump also said about tariffs on foreign imports that he imposed coming in from China and elsewhere, which are already hurting farmers and others. Uh, he said uh, tariffs, quote, will always be the best way to max out our economic power. We are right now taking in billions in tariffs. Make America rich again. Good God. He still doesn't understand how tariffs work, does he? Apparently not, which just is mind-blowing to me. Either that or he doesn't care. I mean, we don't take in, in case you're confused by the crap you're hearing from this president, we do not take in anything in tariffs. Those are taxes on the American people. They are not paid by China as Donald Trump still seems to think, I mean, is it is it possible that the president of the United States does not actually realize this, does not really actually know how tariffs work? I mean, he says this over and over again, that China and other countries are now paying us billions in tariffs, that it's making America rich. They don't pay us tariffs. Those are taxes that the American people pays on goods that come in from other countries. I mean, I, I, is it possible that his economic advisors can't bring themselves to explain how tariffs actually work? Is, I mean, is that possible? It's very possible, but I think more of it is that he is unteachable. He will not learn. He refuses to learn. So no matter how many times or how many different ways they explain it, like a child, he will not comprehend it. Is, is it that he doesn't comprehend it, comprehend it or does he just not give a damn? And <laughs> that he thinks, too. <laughs> and that he thinks his supporters are so stupid, his supporters who are the ones paying these taxes on imported goods, that they're stupid enough that he can just keep saying this over and over again. They'll actually think it's the case. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I 
yeah, I really don't know the answer to that question. All right, uh, but it just it it, it boggles the mind. It, it really does. Okay, uh, in other news, that is only slightly less crazy making today. Republican Brad Raffensperger won a uh, runoff election on Tuesday to become Georgia's next secretary of state, taking over the office at the center of a debate over whether uh, over voter access and election security in Georgia, the southern state, according to AP. They say he won, and usually we'd cheer anybody named Brad winning anything, <laughs> but uh, according to AP... They're, they've declared this uh, over, and maybe it is, but I should also note that AP has had to withdraw a number of calls that they have made in this year's midterms. But if the current numbers stand in Georgia, uh, most of which were recorded on 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, so they're unlikely to change, I, uh, I suspect, uh, but have no way of knowing, that uh, AP may be right here and the Republican may have won this runoff on Tuesday in Georgia for Secretary of State. With all precincts reporting those unverifiable votes from the machines, uh, Raffenberger, Raffensperger is up over Democrat John Barrow by four points, or about 57,000 votes out of more than one and a half million tallied so far. You'll recall the state settled a lawsuit last week with the Democratic Party, which had sued to allow absentee by mail ballots that were postmarked by Election Day, but arrived up to three days later to be tallied as well. And given that scores of counties didn't send out those absentee ballots until just last week, a week before Election Day, and there were more than 200,000 such requests, uh, it is possible that the numbers could change when those mail ballots are actually added into the totals. But if not, the Republican Raffensperger will become Georgia's top elections official, filling the office vacated by Republican governor-elect and champion vote suppressor Brian Kemp. At Raffensperger's victory party late Tuesday, he told supporters he would faithfully carry out elections in Georgia. He said, I'm going to make sure that elections are clean, fair and accurate. Well, I hope he's right about that. We'll we'll give him a chance, I guess. Uh, a statement from Barrow, a former uh, the former Democratic congressman early on Wednesday said, quote, we need to make sure that every voice is heard. And he said that he will wait for the remaining ballots to come in and be counted before uh, conceding. Thank you, Mr. Barrow. Was that so hard? Why do candidates, particularly Democrats, uh, seem to have a problem with this? Wait until the votes are counted. The runoff campaign played out against the backdrop of Democratic accusations, as AP describes them. I would call it hard evidence that uh, former Secretary of State Brian Kemp used his position to suppress minority turnout and increase the odds of his own victory in the governor's race. Raffensperger finished the three-way general election race on November 6th ahead of Barrow, but uh, just shy of the 50% mark that would, be, would have been needed to avoid a runoff, and he was only half a percentage point ahead of Barrow in the general election. 
And then Barrow received an endorsement in the runoff from the Libertarian candidate, Smythe Duval. He took 2.2% of the vote on November 6th, the Libertarian did, before, before endorsing the Democrat here. So it seemed quite possible, mathematically anyway, that the Democrat could have pulled off a runoff win just by the numbers. But we'll see what happens once all the votes are counted. It does look like the Republican is going to win there. Both Raffensperger and Barrow promised to replace Georgia's unverifiable, easily hacked, oft failed, nearly 20-year-old Diebold touchscreen voting machines with a system that produces, as AP describes them, paper records that could be used to audit elections if needed. In fact... Raffensperger calls for new touchscreen systems that produce computer-marked, barcoded ballot summary cards, which many jurisdictions are moving to around the country, many uh, sadly controlled by Democrats, like out here in Los Angeles, despite those uh, systems being 100% unverifiable after an election. Whereas Barrow, the Democrat in Georgia, had called for the only known verifiable method of voting that would be hand-marked paper ballots. Not just paper ballots, certainly not paper trails or paper records. Hand-marked paper ballots. You know what they look like. They're made out of paper, they're ballots, and they're hand-marked. So they're easy to recognize. The real ones, uh, they are known to have been verified by the voter by their very hand-marked nature. Which you can uh, tell after the election is over, which is what this is all you about. You can tell that they're verified by the voter. After the fact. President Donald Trump, by the way, endorsed Raffensperger with a tweet calling uh, the Republican, quote, tough on crime and borders. <laughs> the Secretary of State, yes. who doesn't deal with any of that. Right. Okie dokie. He has a no law enforcement role, but you know what? When when Trump sees uh, that he's supposed to endorse someone with an R by his name, it, that's the endorsement. He Tough on crime and, and, and borders, and those, he loves our military. Those are the only few words he knows. Because he's a jackass. Uh, presuming the numbers and the AP call holds here in Georgia, um, elections guru uh, Daniel Nikanian known as Taniel on the uh, on the Twitter machine. He reviewed uh, various wins and losses in the Secretary of State's races across the country this year, uh, which, as hopefully more Americans now realize, are very important to election outcomes, where Republicans are restricting legal voters from voting and Democrats tend to expand the franchise. Um, Taniel said... Dems did make some Secretary of State gains this year. They flipped the position in Arizona. That's good. Where GOP nominee Steve Gaynor was aggressively hostile to voting rights, he notes. Uh, They also gained uh, the uh, Secretary of State's uh, office in Colorado and in Michigan. All three key states in the uh, 2020 presidential elections coming up. And uh, he notes that while they lost the state of Kansas, at least it won't be Chris Kobach anymore, the uh, former secretary of state there and uh, one of the nation's top GOP voter fraud fraudsters who ran for governor and lost to a Democrat, Laura Kelly, 
in Kansas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Nikanian adds uh, tough voting implications for losses for that office in both Georgia and Ohio this year. All right. Um, one more uh, for the moment out of Georgia. It seems that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, has only just now noticed the problem in the November 6th lieutenant governor's race there that we discussed a week or so ago, more than a week or so ago, on this show with plaintiff Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. They are suing the state to contest and or overturn the results of the lieutenant governor's election from November 6th on a pretty massive irregularity. Uh, Marilyn and the coalition, by the way, is also suing to get rid of those 100% touchscreen voting systems. But uh, as we discussed with her last week, she's suing to overturn the results of the lieutenant governor's race and for good reason. So the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, their columnist Jim Galloway, noticed and said and noted in a column headlined, quote, it's time to solve the mystery of the 100,000 missing votes. He noted this is not about Georgia's Georgia's race for governor, but about the lieutenant governor's contest. And the puzzle isn't hidden. It sits on the secretary of state's public website in Georgia, staring at us, he says, like one of Edgar Allan Poe's purloined letters. With each down-ballot contest, he notes, on the November 6th election, more voters bleed away. Nothing mysterious about that. Fewer people vote for candidates as they, you know, go farther down the ballot. He notes that in election after election, graphs of this phenomenon resemble a gentle downward slope from the top of the ticket, uh, you know, down through the uh, through the rest of the races. But he notes that's not what happened on November 6th in the lieutenant governor's race. The pattern changed rather suspiciously. He says in the race for governor, almost four million voters cast a ballot. But in the number two race on the ballot for lieutenant governor, more than 150,000 of those voters, about four percent, suddenly dropped away. And then in the next race down, 103,000 of those supposedly lost voters suddenly regained their interest in the election and voted in the Secretary of State's contest. From there, he said, the traditional gentle downward slope of disappearing voters resumed. So there were far more votes for Secretary of State and Agriculture Commissioner and Insurance Commissioner and School Superintendent and Commissioner of Labor way down at the bottom of the ballot than way up at the top for Lieutenant Governor, the second highest race on the ballot. That never happens, at least without some reason for it. And there is no reason for it here. It's not like the there was a you know controversial candidate or something running for Lieutenant Governor. And if you look at the past two midterm elections uh, where all of these races were also on the ballot, there is no such glitch in the matrix. Uh, there's no you know, sudden dip from uh, uh, from from what they call residual votes, uh, votes that were not counted for some reason because they were undervotes or overvotes. Uh, there's no such, you know, sudden plummet from the governor's race down to the lieutenant governor's race, and then way back up for the uh, for all of the other races. That just does not happen year after year. Uh, 
And he's got a, a graph at his piece on uh, at AJC um, showing the previous elections in 2014 and in 2010. There is no other uh, situation like that in all of those uh, previous elections. So uh, what happens here? What 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 explains this right now? Nobody knows. And that's why uh, Maryland has contested the results in that race, even though the Democrat who reportedly lost Sarah Riggs uh, Amico, she did not contest the race for some reason. Uh, She's very interested, however, and concerned and has been studying this. She now tells the journal Constitution that uh, this, quote, needs to be looked at as a question of election integrity. Well, I would say so. Moreover, it's important to note that this huge undervote rate race uh, rate in the lieutenant governor's race did not happen in the absentee hand marked paper ballots that were uh, cast in this race where that gentle gliding downslope was as expected in the uh, number of unvoted ballots. It only happens on the 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens that we have been warning you about for a decade and a half now on this show and at bradblog.com. As I said, we discussed that uh, discussed that issue uh, uh, a week or so ago on the broadcast with the plaintiff in the case. But Atlanta's uh, George's top newspaper is just now noticing. Go figure. Better late than never. Even they can see the weird anomaly and say, hmm. Yeah, but it took them. How I long know. did it take them? Anyway, hope we were able to help you there, AJC. <laughs> the Coalition for Good Governance is uh, seeking an explanation and a forensic analysis of the machines, the the tabulators, the ballot programming uh, in this uh, in this race to try to figure out what happened. Hopefully, it will result in the first such post-election uh, forensic analysis of one of these systems in history. We will uh, we will be watching. Uh, All right. Before we get to a break here, one piece of good news on Tuesday uh, from runoff elections that were held elsewhere. As Martin Luther King told us, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Well, it is long indeed, but it has finally bent towards a bit of justice in Little Rock, Arkansas on Tuesday. 35-year-old Frank Scott, an African-American won Tuesday's runoff for Little Rock mayor, becoming the first African-American elected to lead Arkansas's capital six decades after it had been the center of a landmark school desegregation crisis. Scott defeated Baker Kurus in the uh, runoff election for the nonpartisan open seat to succeed the city's outgoing mayor, who opted not to uh, seek re-election. Scott served as an advisor to the state's former Democratic governor, Mike Beebe, and on the State Highway Commission, he assembled a coalition that crossed racial and political lines. His supporters included Democratic state legislators from the area and prominent Republicans, such as Will Rockefeller, grandson of Arkansas's first Republican governor since Reconstruction. He also was endorsed by New Jersey Senator uh, Cory Booker. Democrat who's considering running for president in 2020. Scott said he was not running to be Little Rock's first elected black mayor, but had sought to bridge some of the city's biggest uh, uh, divides, including race, income and geography. He said, if you believe it's time to unify the city, let's do it. 
according to uh, his comments to supporters on Tuesday night. Scott's election comes as race remains a dividing line still in Little Rock all of these years later, long after nine black students, you'll recall, were escorted past an angry white mob into Little Rock Central High School back in 1957. In recent years, the city's police department has faced questions about its tactics, including its use of no-knock warrants. The state took over the Little Rock School District three years ago, and community leaders have compared that takeover to Governor Orville Faubus's efforts to block integration so many years ago. Kourous, uh, who lost the race, is a 64-year-old attorney and businessman. He had been appointed superintendent of the district after the takeover, but his contract was not renewed because he opposed the expansion of charter schools in the district, which rallied Democratic lawmakers and community leaders to his defense. Kourous is uh, is white. He had also called uh, unifying the city one of his goals in the campaign. And he told supporters after conceding the race on Tuesday night, uh, quote, let's don't give in to the things that divide us. Let's get together, work hard and make this a better place. Scott's election makes him the highest profile black official in a state that hasn't elected an African-American to Congress or statewide office since Reconstruction after the Civil War. His election also comes after a year where African-Americans have made gains elsewhere in the state in Pulaski County, where Little Rock is located. Uh, This year, they elected their first black sheriff and county clerk. Several other Arkansas cities have also elected their first black mayors this year. So, see, there's some good news for you. I'll take take it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a quick break here and um, see if we're getting any closer uh, yeah, you know, the arc of the moral universe, it is long, but hopefully it is bending towards justice. I don't know if it's getting any closer to justice or not in that GOP election fraud case in the U.S. House in North Carolina. There are signs, however, that it might be maybe less so in Wisconsin. We'll see where the GOP has pulled off another coup overnight. Take a quick break and we'll come back with that and much more on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. A second woman has now come forward claiming that a Bladen County, North Carolina electioneer 
A GOP contractor paid her to collect absentee ballots for last month's midterm elections. Now, collecting others' absentee ballots, paid or not, in, uh, in North Carolina is illegal. A U.S. House race purportedly won by the Republican Mark Harris, a uh, Baptist minister or something like that, uh, over Democrat Dan McCready by just 905 votes out of more than 280,000 cast, may hang in the balance of all of this, as we have been covering for the past week since this remarkable story broke. Cheryl Kinlaw told WSOC-TV uh, in Charlotte, talked to their reporter Joe Bruno, and said that Leslie McCray Dowless Jr., that's the GOP contractor in question, paid her $100 to collect ballots in their district, in the 9th District, in Bladen County, North Carolina. That's one of uh, six or seven uh, counties, I believe, that make up the 9th District. She added that Dallas, quote, has been doing this for years. Kinlaw said that she never mailed the ballots that she collected from people in Bladen County and that she instead handed them over to Dallas. She said she was unaware that what she was doing was illegal. Joe Bruno of WSOC 9 uh, posted his exclusive interview with this woman yesterday uh, who also responded to the charge that Dallas instructed her to tell people who to vote for, and in fact to vote for the Republican House candidate, Mark Harris. I feel bad now that I know that it wasn't legal, but I did at the time, I, I didn't know. Like Eason, Kinlaw didn't mail the ballots. She gave them to Dallas. I don't know what happened to him after that. I know there were stacks of them on his desk. Yeah. Were you told to tell people about certain candidates? Well, if he said kind of boost them whenever you're talking to people. <laughs> and I tell people, vote for who you think's right. But he was more like, you need to get Mark Harris in here and you need to get McVicker in here. And I was like, well, McVicker's already in there. Like, you got to keep him in there. So then I'm like, Okay, I still just told people, vote for who you want to vote for. Do you feel McCray Dallas swayed the election? I, 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 yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Now that McVicker uh, she's refer referencing there, by the way, is apparently uh, Re Republican Bladen County Sheriff Joe McVicker. Uh, he also reportedly won his race. Um by about 1,300 votes, and he seems to have been uh, supported, at least, by Dallas's efforts for some reason. Uh, I think, uh, oh, I don't have this story in front of me, but I think that he, did he say, did he uh, admit that he had contracted uh, Dallas yes, the, to help the, him out in the, the election? The reporting here? from WCET-TV mm -hmm. there in uh, in Charlotte is uh, also says that he contracted with, with Dallas mm -hmm. to run his Get Out the Vote campaign. And also when he was asked later by a reporter to comment, he refused to comment on the entire vest investigation right. at all. And then the reporter said... You you also deleted your sheriff's Facebook account that you used during the campaign. Which he, he deleted after the campaign. He just wiped right. it all out entirely, right? And the guy said, uh, so why did you do that? And he said, 
none of your business. <laughs> That's the sheriff. Yeah. That's the sheriff in Bladen County. Yeah, uh, I think we got a problem here. Um, that uh, woman you heard speaking there, uh, Kinlaw, her comments come a day after another woman, Ginger Eason, also told the news station that Dowless, the Bladen County Soil and Water Conservation District supervisor, yes, in addition to being a GOP absentee ballot contractor, I think this guy is himself also an elected official. Wonder how he got that gig. Have I mentioned that he's also a former felon who was jailed for insurance fraud for buying a life insurance policy on a guy who had already died a month earlier and naming himself the beneficiary? Anyway, Dallas also paid the other woman between $75 and $100 to pick up ballots, according to WSOC. Both of the women have said they do not know what Dallas did with the ballots after they delivered them to him. But uh, as you heard uh, Kinlaw saying there, stacks of them on his desk? Really? Dallas has been named twice in sworn affidavits as someone who worked for Republican candidate Mark Harris and his uh, campaign. Uh, as an independent contractor uh, in the 9th District when um, asked by WSOC-TV about paying people to pick up ballots on Monday, Dallas, uh, who I suspect will be back in jail again soon, he said he had no comment. In November, Democrat Dan McCready had conceded to Harris in their House race when he was down by approximately 700 votes. Why did he do that? I don't know. Maybe he is no genius either. But as I said, I do not understand why Democrats uh, can't help themselves, most of them, but to race to the cameras and concede these races. He was down by 700 votes out of 280,000 that were supposedly cast in this race. Now, Harris reportedly defeated McCready by just 905 votes, but the state elections board decided not to certify this U.S. House race, citing claims of irregularities and fraudulent activities related to absentee by mail voting. I'll say we have been discussing uh, some of the alarming absentee problems that happened in this race, but only in Largely Bladen County, but also Robeson County in the 9th District, where uh, in Bladen, for example, Harris, the Republican, won 61 percent of the absentee ballots, even though registered Republicans account accounted for only 19 percent of the accepted absentee ballots that were sent back. Huh. Also in the GOP primary earlier in the year, back in May, Harris won 437 absentee votes in Bladen, while the incumbent Republican uh, congressman, Robert Pittenger, he won, well, a pittance at uh, 17 votes. That's what it was. 437 to 17. Uh, Harris won. Those are very <laughs> anomalous results. I'm sorry, but they just are. It was uh, Harris won 96 percent of the absentee by mail votes while winning only 62 percent of all of the other votes in the same county. According to the State Board of Elections, uh, Harris uh, narrowly upset incumbent uh, Pittenger in the Republican primary overall across all the counties in the 9th District by just 828 votes. And yes, Leslie McCray Dowless Jr. also worked for Harris on that primary election. Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat from New York, um, he was recently elected to the Democratic caucus chairmanship. Uh, he said on Tuesday that it appears, quote, increasingly likely 
that Republican operatives stole a House seat through election fraud. On Twitter, he said, uh, it appears increasingly likely that North Carolina Republican operatives stole a House seat. Crickets from the Trump administration. So here's a thought, he added, in all caps, lock them up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for a House Democrat, a leading House Democrat here, uh, just elected as the head of the uh, Democratic caucus, to call this a stolen election, stolen by Republicans, and joking or otherwise calling to lock them up, that's noteworthy, let's yeah, say. That's a lot more strong language than we're used to hearing out of Indeed. Democrats. Yeah. Uh, Steny Hoyer, a uh, congressman from Maryland, uh, second in the uh, leadership role in the uh, in the U.S. House for Democrats, has also warned uh, that Harris will not be sworn in. They will not swear him into the House if the allegations of fraud persist into 2019 when Democrats take a majority in the House which is why Republicans in North Carolina are fighting so hard to have him certified and uh, be seated before any, you know, before he can be stopped. Republican, I'm sorry, Democratic uh, Congressman from Massachusetts, Seth Moulton, who is a combat veteran on Tuesday, he said, I'm calling for a special election in the North Carolina 9th District. He said McCready, the Democrat here, uh, who is also a veteran, put his life on the line for our democracy, and we owe it to him to hold a fair and honest race. Um, So now you have a Democrat calling for a special election, which the state election board, which has not certified this race, has the ability to do. They have the right to call for uh, for a new election. The legal right to do that in North Carolina, which today the editorial board of the Charlotte Observer, the largest paper in uh, in either Carolina, is calling for a new election in the ninth district race. Wow. The That's Observer. A big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, they note that it is still unclear how much Mark Harris actually knew about the duplicitous action on his behalf and uh, his participation in all of this is currently being investigated. But they say uh, for now, the uh, election, uh, the um, editorial board at the Charlotte Observer, they argue that voters deserve assurance that this was a free and fair race. They write North Carolina statute supports it. The evidence already demands it. And the Board of Elections should start the election over. That's big. Uh, One more point here in North Carolina. Uh, Joe Bruno at uh, WSOC, uh, he's been doing an excellent job of tracking down a whole bunch of stuff here. Uh, But he he had to uh, tweet on Tuesday, uh, quote, an FYI, according to the NCSBE, that's the North Carolina State Board of Elections, This isn't a voter fraud investigation. This is an absentee ballot fraud investigation and or an election fraud investigation. He had to say that. Uh, I'm glad he did. And I don't know if he had been calling it voter fraud previously, a voter fraud investigation, but it's uh, it's not. It is not. I've been trying to point that out. It is amazing how difficult this seems to be for journalists Uh, who have been reporting this as voter fraud. There is zero evidence that any voters did anything wrong. Leave them alone. The voters were the ones who were defrauded by this scheme. And yes, I had to tweet as much to the Washington Post last week, uh, who should know better, but apparently they do not. 
They referred to a, uh, a voter fraud investigation in the 9th District like three different times in one of their stories. It was otherwise a good story, except it kept talking about concerns about voter fraud. And, um, and in fact, I was able to find that story yesterday. And yes, thankfully, after I yelled at them on Twitter, it looks like they have removed the reference to voter fraud and now they just call it fraud. So... Uh, a, a fraud investigation. Okay, fine. Close enough. At least we're not blaming the voters. That but, matters. Yeah, but let's be clear. This is election fraud, and it shows just how sticky these false Republican memes are well, that's right. uh, as a talking point because it's now infiltrated into all of these these journalists who, who really should know should better. Should know better, you think? Uh, voters have been claiming that uh, Republicans have been claiming this massive voter fraud for years that actually does not exist, at least not at the polling place. And this is in uh, North Carolina, where Republicans are this very week pushing a photo ID voting restriction bill through their legislature in the lame duck, as we talked about on yesterday's show before they lose their supermajority to override vetoes from the Democratic governor, Roy Cooper. So this matters. And yet, you know what? In North Carolina, where are all the GOP voter fraud fraudsters? Uh, where is uh, Donald Trump? Where is Chris Kobach in Kansas talking about all this fraud? They're not saying nothing about what's going on in North Carolina, where we have actual case of election fraud that may have actually changed the results of a U.S. House race. None of those usual GOP voter fraud fraudsters are out there yelling and screaming about this actual election fraud. They are, in fact, nowhere to be found. Uh all right. Um, speaking of that, uh, and you know what? I have another, you know, I'm going to have to hold it, I guess, for tomorrow. Uh, another case of election fraud in another state also, yep, by Republicans. We'll tease that and try to get to it tomorrow. Uh, God knows we'll have plenty of time tomorrow, right? <laughs> what could uh, possibly go because wrong? Because I want to uh, seal up for now, uh, speaking of lame duck sessions, what happened in uh, Wisconsin? This morning, barely as, as the sun began to rise, as desperate Republicans um, <laughs> continue, and once again uh, involving pretend voter fraud on their part. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and let you know what happened in Wisconsin. It's just amazinger and amazinger as uh, this uh, party, this Republican Party, is beginning to behave like a political party in its death throes. And uh, frankly, nowhere more so right now than in Wisconsin. Quick break and we're back. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Here comes the sun, 
Back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, yes, the sun was literally rising in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, as the Republicans pushed through this. Uh, they pushed through protest, internal disagreements, uh, opposition from Democrats on Wednesday morning to pass a far-reaching piece of legislation a power grab that would shift power to the GOP-controlled legislature in order to weaken the Democrat who defeated Republican Governor Scott Walker last month. The vote came after an all-night debate. The state Senate literally voted just before sunrise on Wednesday morning. We talked about all of this on uh, yesterday's show. It was the height of a rare lame duck legislative session that was called in order to try to reduce the authority of uh, uh, of of the of the Democratic governor and the Democratic attorney general before he can come into uh, office before they are sworn into office in January. Walker has uh, Governor Walker has outgoing Governor Walker, thankfully, has signaled his support for the bill. Whatever it was that they decided to pass, he was cool with it. He'll now have 10 days to sign this package from the time it is delivered to his office. Republicans were just battered in the midterm election. As we talked about yesterday, they lost all statewide races amid strong Democratic turnout Uh, Nonetheless, they retained legislative majorities, thanks to what Democrats say are gerrymandered districts that tilt the map. Well, um, it's not, you know, that's AP again, um, I think. Not Democrats don't say that. They are gerrymandered, and it is a tilted map. Democrats say it, voting rights experts say it, and the federal court, which found the state assembly districts to be an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander, they also said it. They said the entire map needed to be withdrawn, and it would have been, but for the stolen U.S. Supreme Court blocking that from happening before the 2018 elections, uh, where Republicans ended up winning 45% of the state assembly votes, but took more than two-thirds of its seats. The new legislation that was passed on Wednesday morning uh, protects uh, some of the GOP achievements, as it's nicely called here in recent years, including a work requirement for some people who receive state health care and the state's role in a lawsuit seeking to overturn the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. The bill could also make it harder for Governor-elect Tony Evers to renegotiate a $3 billion taxpayer subsidy to Foxconn Electronics. That's the Chinese manufacturing company uh, in a deal that was spearheaded by Walker. They're giving the company $3 billion worth of tax cuts in order to build a new uh, factory there. Tony Evers said in a statement, quote, Wisconsin has never seen anything like this. Power hungry politicians rushed through sweeping changes to our laws to expand their own power and override the will of the people of Wisconsin who asked for change on November 6th in neighboring Michigan. Republicans are discussing taking similar action of their own. 
before a Democratic governor and a Democratic secretary of state can take over there. In North Carolina, lawmakers did the very same thing two years ago, and they are uh, when a Democratic uh, governor was elected, and they are doing so again this year in order to adopt a polling place photo ID voting restriction to get that passed through the lame duck which would probably be uh, vetoed by the Democratic governor there now. Uh, but they still have a supermajority for a scant few more days in North Carolina. So they're trying to jam this through so they can override any potential veto. This photo ID voting restriction, which the Republicans claim is needed to stop voter fraud. Meanwhile, an actual election apparently has been stolen by Republican election fraud, absentee fraud which the uh, photo ID uh, measure they're trying to jam through doesn't deal with at all. It doesn't deal with absentee voting at all. But anyway, back to Wisconsin, the legislation that they passed in this session uh, included GOP leaders trying to muster enough votes to even get the thing passed in the state Senate. That chamber ultimately approved the package just 17 to 16. It had one Republican who voted against it around sunrise. The assembly, uh, which is far more gerrymandered, they went on to uh, approve this 56 to 27 about two hours later with just one single Republican willing to defect. Uh, This is a heck of a way to run a railroad, said Democratic Senate Minority Leader Jennifer Schilling. As the Senate resumed debate at 5 a.m. after a seven hour impasse, this is embarrassing that we are even here, she said. Scott Walker, for his part, he was booed and heckled by protesters on Tuesday during a Christmas tree lighting ceremony in the Capitol Rotunda where there had been protests uh, for uh, the past several days since this bill was introduced last Friday, suddenly out of nowhere. Uh, He's in his final weeks as governor, faced with a Democratic governor for the first time in eight years. Republicans came up with a package of lame duck bills to preserve their priorities and to make it harder for Evers to enact his. Democratic Assembly Minority Leader Gordon Hintz uh, said as the debate concluded in the chamber, you're here because you don't want to give up power. You're sore losers, he said. You will go down in history as a disgrace. And speaking of history, uh, he may be right about that. Uh, Last night, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that Sheldon Lubar has been a powerful uh, and influential Republican in Wisconsin for decades. He was a strong supporter of Governor Walker, but not anymore. He sent a sharply worded email to Walker uh, during lunch on Tuesday, point, uh, pointedly criticizing the governor and asking him to consider what the governor's recently deceased father and Jesus Christ would say about his actions regarding this legislative effort to limit the powers of incoming governor-elect Tony Evers and Attorney General-elect Josh Call. The letter said, if you are asking why I changed, I must say I didn't. You did, he wrote. You let your presidential political ambitions supersede your duties and obligations to the people of Wisconsin. This was too much for me. Lubar pleaded with Walker not to destroy his reputation by citing 
with uh, the Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and the Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald. What they are planning for the Republican Party of Wisconsin, he said, will malign its integrity and lead to its downfall. Worse, he said, it will damage Wisconsin as it ignores the will of the majority of Wisconsin voters. That was coming from a big, influential uh, Republican Party uh, leader in Wisconsin begging Scott Walker not to sign this thing. Scott Walker has already said he's going to sign whatever it is, uh, whatever it is they send him. He's cool with it. We'll see. We'll see if he does or not. He was uh, at the funeral today for uh, George H.W. Bush. And as I said, he's got uh, 10 days to decide whether he's going to sign this or not. But I don't see him changing his mind. No. Why, why would he suddenly yeah. gain any, I don't know, integrity uh, after all this time when he's proven that he really does not care what voters want? One of the uh, changes, uh, as we discussed yesterday uh, on uh, on the broadcast, which you can download for free anytime at bradblog.com. Uh, we spoke with Elisa uh, Annalise Eicher of uh, One Wisconsin Now. Uh, one of the changes was that they will restrict early voting to just two weeks. That was found. They tried to do that back in 2016, and it was found to be unconstitutional by a federal judge after Annalise Eicher was the plaintiff in that case suing them. And yet they are trying to do it again. It is included in this massive and horrible bill. Uh, as David K. Johnson, the investigative reporter, said, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker's partisan power grab strategy as he leaves office shows he would be a uh, he's a would be tyrant supported by GOP dark money oligarchs who don't believe in democracy except when they are in control. Sounds about right. This is not how a healthy political party behaves. This is a desperate party acting as if it is in its death throes. And at this point, hopefully it finally is. Yeah. Doesn't bode well for 2020 when you've got Republicans fighting very hard not to give up power. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, as I said, download it from bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. And my thanks, as ever, to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate before the end of the year to support real, independent, progressive reporting, investigative reporting, and troublemaking and muckraking over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. All right. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh,